everyone, and welcome to Thursday Live Lesson Home Edition once again. My name is Aldrin Guerrero, joined by Mr. Aaron, the voice now commercial. What's up, Aaron? What's up? Mr. Kahai, the legend Ferguson. Say what's up, Kahai. What's up? And special guest for our very special 100 episode, uh, 100th <laughs> episode of Thursday Live Lesson, Mr. Magic Mike Odo. Say what's up, Mike? What's up, guys? Hey, Mike is here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right on. So, 100 episodes, guys. Mike, you were you were there in the very first episode, I believe. I was. Yeah, and oh, I guess two and a half years later, or something, or two years later, we're yeah. we're still doing it, bud, and you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, how this works is uh, you guys can send us your questions. Um, we already have some questions uh, kind of sent in to us. We'll answer those. I'll answer them, and these three guys will come in with their two cents, and we'll come up with a super answer just for you. And we are live, so make sure to utilize the live chat um, and you know ask us whatever questions that you want. It can be ukulele-related. It doesn't have to be ukulele-related. Just have some fun. Um, this is uh, like kind of a podcast style, so if you guys want, um, you can download this as an audio. But thank you so much for all of you people who are, who are watching this. We are doing a home edition so that the four of us are in our own homes, safe and sound. Right, Mike? Are you safe right now? I am very safe. Blink three times if you're serious. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you're being held captive. I'm like, I see the, the brown, you know, like a uh, curtain in the background. I'm like, are you in some kind of facility? <laughs> no, these are just my... Trying to be blackout curtains. I like big, thick <laughs> curtains because I sleep a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we see the uh, the collar brand in, in the back. And we're like, is he in the store? Or is he like locked yeah, in the yeah. store? Is he, no, that's, you know, is he in isolation at Scotty's Music? <laughs> no, that's actually one of my mementos from Quai Music and Sound. Oh, right on. Oh. Nice. oh. Um, that actually, what I was actually going to do with that a while back was when I was still playing a little more, I was actually going to sand all that off, though, <laughs> and turn it into the um, thank you for your tips. And then I was going to oh, hang that. Cool. That's cool. Tip joke. But I don't know. I kind of like it like that. It's a pretty cool I mean, little you, deal. You could put wheels yeah. on it and just, <laughs> like, it's like, like a skateboard, yeah. you know? That's very small and thin, and I'm very much not small or thin. Oh, you so. can make two of them and just... <laughs> roller skates. Yeah, roller skates. Roller skis. Yeah. Right now, Magic Mike is here. It is episode 100, guys. Before we get to the questions, um, what's what what has been your favorite memory so far in the past 100 episodes? Mike, go ahead, since you're a special guest. You what's your favorite... Thursday live lesson memory. And what's your favorite question that you've answered? Was huh. it was it the lechon koale or was it the <laughs> the rose pork? Local, rose pork. Rose pork. Not food right now. <laughs> we we only gauge episodes based off of what you guys ate for lunch beforehand. <laughs> was it was it the subs? The subs that all oh, the meatball subs. That's, that's, yeah. that's the first one, right? <laughs> one of the first ones. You know the the funny thing about that is if you think about it. The better the food was, it's, it's, sometimes that meant the quality of our answers. Yeah. 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 Like a negative I, correlation. <laughs> favorite memory. Josh, I don't know. And 
it's just been i i don't think i have one favorite one i think it's just been super fun doing them hearing the questions that people will come up with what a politician um, you are mike you know <laughs> everyone matters <laughs> Look, I'm old and I don't remember things. All right. I love all the babies that I had to kiss, <laughs> even the ugly ones. <laughs> right I think the only, and I think the only question that ever sticks out as memorable in my head was the first time you thought you were gonna try and do, like, uh, the connection challenge, to me. The connection challenge. Wait. You had we had an ipu. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you challenged right. me. And you challenged me to connect it to jazz. Jazz, yeah, oh, musically. That, was, that yeah. was really good. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Aaron, what's your favorite memory? Uh, probably the the hot sauce. Oh yeah, that was a good one yeah. too. We yeah, tried awesome. we tried that three hot true. sauces on air. So <laughs> that was so tasty. That was, yeah, that was yeah. hot. Uh, I don't know. Uh, those are pretty. Those are pretty standout moments yeah so yeah um it's probably i don't know probably one of the songwriting challenges i mm. i've been just liking the songwriting challenges in general so and mm. seeing what other people come up that's you know not us on the podcast too so mm. yeah i like talking I, to people about that that so i was gonna say like the meatball sub episode but uh, whatever episode it was that we got, I don't know if it was even on a Thursday live, or I, I might be confusing it with a Friday jam and stuff, but the um, the episode where we got Jake, the stand-up Jake, it's <laughs> like, one of my favorite moments, because I was like, yeah. what is in this? <laughs> it's back there, yeah. uh, behind Aaron. Back, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, what is this? What is this thing that that we got? And so I guess one of the unboxing, like you know, moments that that uh, that we had here on Thursday, and it was like it was Jake back there. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's one of my favorite moments. <laughs> so right on, guys. Cool. So let's uh, let's get started with this. Let's um, ask answer the uh, the first question. So hit me, Kahai. Well, uh, Will earlier in the week he sent me mm-hmm. a question, and he asked, "What what's the best option if you absolutely cannot grow nails?" Like, I guess he's tried and it just hasn't worked. So he's using finger picks right now, but he's wondering, is that the best option or is there something better? Um, I think the best option is to uh, is, is to use a, a thumb pick would be. The, I mean, if you desperately need it and so you don't need it. So let's just let's just go ahead and, and say this. You don't need picks. You don't need um, nails and stuff. It, but if you're looking to play a certain technique, that requires nail, that's when you use a nail. But in order to just play your ukulele, just to make noise with it, just to kind of jam and sing it and whatnot, you do not need uh, nails at all. And there are also other ways that you can get around techniques that use the nail. So for example, if you want to do like tremolos and stuff, you can do that without using, you know, without using a nail. You can kind of use this and do the uh, the running man technique that um, that uh, Imo Garza does yeah. on... Um, you know, on, on one of our lessons here in UE Plus. So there's, you know, you do not have to use a nail. You do not have to grow a nail. And on top of that, you, if you do grow a nail, you don't have to grow it to the length that I do or a bunch of other, you know, musicians do and stuff. You can keep it as, you know, as short as needed. Like you can keep it short and it will still kind of, as long as it does its thing, it, it's good. So with that said, if you absolutely need to use, you know, a, a, a nail and you want to use those techniques that involve the nail, um, the thumb pick would be the you know the best choice I believe. I mean, 
you can kind of use some of those like uh, some of those finger picks with for the pointer finger and whatnot. But um, you know, if you're using that for tremolo, the tremolo might be a little too intense and it's gonna you know it's not gonna be as stable. Whereas the uh, the thumb pick is going to be you know relatively st- the most stable pick that you can just keep on your hands. I wouldn't uh, use the thumb pick for like strumming or any pick you know for strumming really. Um, I would use it mainly just for those techniques that would uh, that would require me to have a nail. Okay, so uh, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, and then uh, oh, I told him that, and then I also told him yeah. that uh, Clay and Brian are like famous for using fake nails. Mm, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also other ways that you can do that. Yeah, yeah, and then Patrick uh, on the chat he asked about what about fake nails. So yeah, fake nails are good. I mean, you know, like if you get the correct kind, like um, the acrylic nail that goes on top, um, you know, can can last for like maybe a couple gigs if you're playing hardcore. Uh, if you want something that lasts a little bit longer, definitely get those gel, like the gel nails and stuff. Uh, that's that's what uh, Calais uses. That's what um, Brian Tolentino uses, and that's what a bunch is of it, other is it, professionals. Hmm? It's just a gel coating over your natural nail, though, right? Is yeah, not- yeah. I mean. Yeah. Sometimes they uh, they put the acrylic and then put the gel, uh, gel, <laughs> the gel, gel, oh, okay. <laughs> the gel so like a... on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can do that, um, but uh, that still runs the risk of like the whole acrylic like kind of coming off because it's just you know like glued on top of your nail, and if it comes off, that top of the nail is going to be a lot. Uh, a lot weaker whereas if you use the gel just the gel alone so if you grow the nail and put the gel on top um the gel just like kind of sticks to you know to the nail you can like pick it off but you would have to like really try super hard to pick it off um Mm -hmm. and uh it'll just kind of like your nail will just grow out and where the or the nail or where the gel is going to be it's just going to naturally grow out as well you know like as the nail kind of grows from underneath like this out but um so that gel gel nail will be the best um the best approach as opposed to just acrylic because it's just the acrylic is just the acrylic on top of it with the glue at least the gel mm-hmm. kind of seals it to your nail so i get those if you're going to go down that route um i'm not too fond of the clackety clack noises that it you know that makes on the ukulele but if you know if, if beggars can yeah. be choosers <laughs> you know no, you, you, just you don't that. You don't uh, ever use fake nails or acrylic. I don't. Uh, gel, I, right? I have. I don't want to be called <laughs> out. They're like, yeah, well, what about this time? You know, like, yeah, I did. You know, but desperate times, you know, like, and I just wanted to try it out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just wanted to see what it was about because I can't be like given advice like this if I've never tried it myself, you know, and so I have. So that now I can kind of relay my experience to you guys that like, um, if you don't have to, don't, you know, like, but. Um, if you really want to get, you know, get those techniques, if you really want to, you know, um, like thicken that nail or whatever, if you really want or need that nail, gel would be the way to go. But for first, uh, thumb pick and then I'll go gel. Yeah. Also, I mean, um, Jake doesn't have very long nails mm-hmm. on no, his strumming hand, mm-hmm. uh, either his thumb or his other fingers. Um, and then like Imua Garza doesn't, doesn't really have yeah. nails at all. No, at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, yeah. he does fantastic work on the ukulele. Yeah. So it's, uh, you can do you whatever, know. you know, 
Yeah, Abe doesn't yeah. either. Like if if you look at oh, Abe's yeah. nails, that's true. Yeah, Abe, yeah, Abe, yeah, Abe Legrimus doesn't doesn't have nails. You do not Abe. have to. Yeah, if it's just yeah. in very specific techniques like that, you would use you know use a nail, and I mean it makes your tone a little bit better as well. But I mean guys like guys like Abe is you know has proven that like well if you know you can make up that that whatever lack of tone with like with good notes or good melody yeah you know yeah. like and you still sound amazing so it's all good doesn't yeah yeah doesn't i can't matter. play the kind of notes that uh that, that abe does you know there's yeah. like so uh, you know what i mean i have to rely on like making the few notes that i can play sound as good as possible <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you know, or do them a, do them fast with your thumbnail yeah with my thumbnail exactly <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like and we were uh, we were doing breezing at the um at the retreat and then all of a sudden he just busts out like an arabian scale i'm like yeah me and Kale were like we're done <laughs> yeah what, what's what even is that's not fair yeah <laughs> the first thing i said i'm like that's where we're going that okay i'm not i'm not gonna catch this this bus <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah here. you guys go. <laughs> uh, i like afterwards too when you guys were talking about it and Abe yeah. was just like yeah, if you go for that, you just gotta go. Like you can't stop. <laughs> you, can't, you can't second guess yourself, like because it kind of works. But you just gotta believe yeah. that. Yeah, it's gonna work. So yeah, it's like oh and much like any you know good martial artist, or I'm just talking about Goku. Like you know, if, if you, <laughs> <laughs> you go into a battle and you lose, right? You rewind back to the tapes and how and why you lost. So now I'm experimenting with. So next uh, time that I go against Abe and he's like busting busting out these scales, I'm like, oh, guess who learned some, Abe? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know. So like, I, like any good true Super Saiyan, right? Like once you get beaten to the brink of death, well, you you know you come back even better. So that's yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> guess who learned how to go Super Saiyan number two? Yeah, exactly. Then- <laughs> you know what I mean? I haven't been beaten to the brink of death in a long time. And I needed a good beating, is what I said. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and then Abe is going to be like, "Oh, have you tried using microtonal scales?" Or have you tried using- yeah, I know. You know <laughs> never so mind. I'm get beaten again, and then come back even better. So every time I get beat, that's that's how you learn. That's how you, that's how you learn, kids. <laughs> Got to take those L's, you know. <laughs> uh, Kevin asks, "Where's the best position for a thumb pick on the thumb?" So I guess where's the best place to put it? Um, I believe that uh, you, the best place to put it is where you would put a regular pick. Okay, so put it on your uh, put it on your thumb where you feel comfortable. I mean, it might be at the top, it might be here. That's totally up to you. But the position of where it's angled, it's based on how you're holding a regular like pick. So when you're holding a regular pick, it should be at an angle that you're you know um, that you would be picking on your on your strings this way, right? So pretend like when you put it on that angle that that is sticking out here is like you're holding a pick with these two fingers, so your thumb and your pointer. That's the angle, and that's where you should hold it. So if it's uh, more comfortable for you to hold it down here, all good. By all means, put it down here. If it's more comfortable for you over here, like up up here where where mine is, or more the pad, all good. So it, or maybe right where the knuckle is. It just depends where you would normally hold. A, uh, a regular flat pick so just treat it like a flat pick that's where you would put it on the thumb right mike you use picks all the time right for your base oh <laughs> let me think uh, no 
Never. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why do no, you it's not that I, honestly, it's not that I never use a pick. I do use one. And actually, funny enough, the very few times I ever do use a pick, yeah. it is a thumb pick. Mm, really? Oh. Because part of the reason that's true is whenever I do use a, you know, standard base technique is the two finger running man thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would use about 99% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I just happen to have one right here. Nice. So if I'm holding on to a pick, that means I'm actually taking my first finger, which is the main, basically, this is the main finger right here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, there are there are bass players who pretty much only play with one finger. If you if you ever watch videos of uh, James Jamerson, who was the bass player at Motown, he actually did everything you've ever heard, all the really crazy Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder stuff with one finger, oh. which is relatively impossible for the rest of us. <laughs> um, so, for me to lock down this finger by having to hold on to a pick would be really difficult. Um. Oh. So the reason I like a thumb pick is because I can I can get that, but then I can just turn around and do that. The running man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can go from that and then play that and then go back to that if that's what I need to do. That's a nice mm-hmm. pick. It's got a lot of uh, surface area in the bottom. Yeah, I do like this one. It's actually by Herco, and uh, I've never actually found any others. So It's because it's kind of like a flat pick, you know, like that shape it's, of the flat it's pick. Basic, it's basically... Yeah, that's cool. It's basically just a regular pick with a with a curve for your thumb. Mm, I gotta get one yeah. of those. That looks great. Yeah. I, yeah. I said and that would though. be the same same reason that you would use it for ukulele too, right? So it you, it doesn't take yeah. out your other fingers because mm-hmm. uh, um, most of the time people strum with their pointer finger for ukulele. Yeah. So. so if you're using a flat pick, you know you can't really do that. Do yeah. that strum or the regular strum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, if you're using if you're trying to do like a picking thing where you're, you're doing like thumb and fingers together. If you use it, again, if you're using like a regular pick, you're locking down that first finger. So yeah. rhythmically, that might be very challenging because, you know, obviously our pointer finger is like the dominant finger on our hand. So if you're taking that out of the equation and tying it down to your thumb, forcing the other two, three, two or three fingers, which however many you use for your technique, Locking, uh, ma- for you're basically forcing the dominant finger to go from here to here, mm-hmm. and that and that could be very rhythmically difficult for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, uh, there was a video I sent to Algene of a, uh, it's a metal band called Polyphia, and the guy from it he pl- plays holding a pick between his thumb and pointer. But then he does slap bass stuff with the rest of his fingers too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's like a crazy <laughs> bass player. Yeah, he. That was like, ah, oh, that blew my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, there is actually a question that we got that it was kind of interesting because the person said that uh, they tried bass for a little bit and they learned mm-hmm. how, like kind of learned the you know the running man the two finger running man to pick. But he was saying like, why uh, is that something that's like feasible on ukulele or like why don't we use that for ukulele instead of like we using the thumb pointer and middle so um it is feasible for ukulele i mean uh, we mentioned Imo garza using you know using that technique i believe abe kind of you know kind of uses it too if he's kind of playing those you know those notes but he uses like a three like the three finger running man with with, with a thumb um <clears throat> for me because i'm all about like uh 
Plumala form, in order to get to that, I have to kind of go from this and then go to a uh, go to like a rest stroke technique in order to get to the you know to that uh, to that running man. Um, so it's it's a little bit easier for me to kind of keep the uh, keep the form and just kind of do the pick from here because I can go from strumming my ukulele to kind of picking a little bit of the camera here so you can see it. So I'm kind of doing the strumming and then straight to the picking and then back to strumming. Even if I have to do the uh, tremolo, I can go straight back here. Um, the running man, <clears throat> in order for it to be effective uh, for me, I feel like I have to kind of do it back here and I have to uh, I have to rest one of uh, one of my fingers, but with my thumb, you know, on uh, on the string above. So if I'm going to do the running man on the A string, I kind of have to use my thumb, rest it on the E string. And the reason being is I don't want it to go messy. If I rested it on the G, so I'll get that. I'll kind of get the E. So if I mute the E with my thumb, I can just kind of go as crazy as I want to. And um and it doesn't, you know, give me any unwanted notes on, on the on the E. But in order for me to do that, it locks up my my entire hand. So it, going back to a going back into picking, it proves a little bit difficult because I do a lot of complicated strums and in order it in order for me to get to that, it's gonna take like a couple seconds, like a you know, it's it's too it's too fast of, of changes that I need. So this doesn't is not efficient for me. But you know, I have seen guys like I said, you know, Imua and and uh, and Abe, not like you know, not terrible players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those guys are those guys are beasts. So you know, um, it, so there's there is ways to kind of you know to to do that technique and, and get around with it. But just for my style, it doesn't quite uh, it doesn't quite work. But it it does it is okay for for the ukulele. And you know, I've seen great professionals use them correctly. How mm-hmm. how did that become the standard for bass mic, like using the running man? Because yeah, like when you learn bass, that's pretty much how you're taught, right? Like it's kind of unusual to use a pick instead. Well, okay, so the reason the reason that would be the thing is if you go back to the origins of the electric bass, it's the the origins are basically the upright bass. Mm-hmm. So. When you're playing upright bass, you're using two basic techniques. Number one is the arco technique, which is that's when you have the bow and you go across like this. Mm. And pizzicato, which is when you pluck. So obviously on an upright bass, you ne- there was no such thing as a pick or anything of that nature. <laughs> so, I mean, it would look really weird if you have. So, so the two-finger running man technique came from that. Mm. So when the original electric bass, I mean, there were a couple guys – pre-1951 who were making electric basses. Uh, Rickenbacker, Regal, we're all trying to do stuff. But what most people consider to be the first successful electric bass was Leo Fender. Hmm. And his whole reason for doing it was he was actually he was actually not looking for an instrument that upright bass players could play. He was actually looking for an instrument that guitar players could play. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Because what was happening was a lot of his guitar player friends, they were scaling down bands coming from the 40s, where it was like the big band era, into the 50s, where it was a lot, it was a little bit smaller. So he started to make, uh, he was looking to make a smaller fretted instrument that a guitar player could pick up and think about picking like that. And yeah, a lot of them were, were pick players, obviously, but then his idea was you would 
go over to that and then you would use upright base technique again the pizzicato technique so you could use the left hand your left hand skills from your guitar and learn the right hand plucking from the upright bass so any guitar player could get in could could double basically so if they went to a gig or tried to audition for a band and the guy said well i don't need you know i don't need a guitar player i need a bass player the guy could break out his fender bass and say yeah. well i can do that too <laughs> i too you know? am a bass player <laughs> i too can make the low sounds <laughs> yeah you know and cool, uh man. and and Originally, that's why uh, so many of the, if you look at the 1951, 52 precision basses, actually for quite a while, they were more geared to making it sound like an upright and not like kind of the twangier electric that we think of now. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, if you find an old, an old Fender, those metal covers that go over the, the pickups, mm -hmm. at the bridge, there's actually a big chunk of foam underneath oh. it that would lay across the strings at the bridge and really mute the strings. And if you know the difference, um, the original strings that he had made uh, were flat wounds. Um, because flat wounds are very much the same as upright bass string. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the idea of a round wound string, uh, like Leo came up with his first precision in 1951. Uh, I think Roto Sound didn't, I don't think the the uh, round round string didn't exist until maybe the like early mid sixties. I think that's yeah, and that's that's crazy because like so many people use round wound strings now. Oh yeah, well I mean, the, yeah, they're considered the standard now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, where you know if you if you if you bought a bass anytime pre say about nineteen seventy. 1975-ish, mm -hmm. you were going to have flat wounds were what came on the bass. Okay, now we're going to go from P basses okay. and then connect them to an Ipu. <laughs> go. <laughs> go. We got to tie it back we, to the first episode right, somehow. Because it, it has to be ukulele, right? So how, so how we, so want... we're tying that to an Ipu and that makes it ukulele? Well, it's Hawaiian, <laughs> sir. At least it's closer. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, actually, after... After this, can you talk about U bases? Because we get so many questions about Ooh. U base. You know, like people say, like, "Oh, it's a it's a ukulele," but it's like, no, like we teach how to play ukulele here. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's <laughs> more like a base, of a base. Like, than, yeah, it's like than an ukulele. It's just go from P base to Ipu to U base. U -base. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Let's see it. Let's see it. Hundred episodes, Mike. We had a hundred episodes to practice. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the way you connect a bass player to to the ipu in a, a musical a modern musical ensemble the ba the bass player is a lot of the people think of the rhythmic foundation as being the drummer and a lot of times it's not the drummer is more of a rhythmic accenter hmm. so if you listen to a good drummer they're the ones who are like when something dramatic happens, that's when the cymbal crashes come. They're the ones who use their fills to kind of push into the next section. The bass player is the one who's actually laying down one constant, generally one constant rhythm, either the walking bass line of jazz or just a straight eight notes of rock and roll. They more tend to play one consistent rhythm that everything else lies on top. The drummer is the one who, like when the big dramatic part comes up, he's the one who's going to crack the cymbals on one 
to kind of say that's what happened. In Hawaiian music, in ipu is that same thing, <laughs> where it's that one constant rhythm that everybody else chants up on top of. So they're connected because they are the one consistent rhythm rather than an accented rhythm, which basically most of the other hula instruments, if you're thinking about hula kahiko, which is the pre, uh, pre-Western pre influence one, that one rhythm that the Ipu would put out, or even sometimes um, the pahu drum would also have something similar to that. But the Ipu would be one consistent rhythm. And the bass player also plays generally one consistent rhythm that has not that many variations on it there you go uh, and then the second connection <laughs> <laughs> to you well, let's go to, from there to the, U to the base. U base yes okay well you're only half P, done <laughs> a, a, a p base is a base and a u base is a base there you go no no we're going from ipu to the u because we're going p base to the ipu ipu to the u base okay <laughs> so then put it in reverse the the general the general purpose of a U bass in any musical ensemble is to pro, is to provide a consistent rhythm, as well as the harmonic as well as the harmonic foundation for the band. But I think a lot of people would tell you they would rather have a bass player who plays. And if you're a bass player out there, don't do this. <laughs> but uh, one of my bass teachers actually told me a long time ago. It would actually be better for you to play a few wrong notes, but be able to stay very consistent on the rhythm mm -hmm. than to yeah. play all the right notes, but be out of time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because I'd agree. <laughs> I agree. I honestly, if you are familiar with most forms of music, if the bass player starts playing a few what we call chromatic notes that are out of the key, moving from a note to a note. Yeah, you can probably do that. And technically, that note is not correct for the scale, for the key. But as long as it goes in the right place, nobody will notice. Nobody will think that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, true, if you're in the key of C and you play C sharp on beat one, no, that will probably sound really wrong to people. Yeah. It's, it's but kinda... if you play a C, then a C sharp, then a D moving up, it'll just sound like that's... It's a passing through tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so there, that's how you connect that to for the Ipu to there. You, the U base, that's the, its job. Plus, they're small and hollow and made out of wood. Organic <laughs> <laughs> material. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. You're you're talking yeah. about how uh, like if you're playing bass, it's probably better to be on rhythm. Uh, or like, you know, it's more noticeable if you're not on rhythm than if you're playing the wrong note. And Victor Wooten has that like that exercise, right, where he plays chromatically, but he's playing very in, in the very rhythmically, too. And like he asked people, which one do you prefer? Do you prefer when I played all the supposed wrong notes or do you prefer when I played all the right notes? And then most people are like, oh, I kind of like because it grooved better i preferred when you play the wrong notes so that's like something i was talking to somebody earlier uh i was answering a question and i kind of told them like so many times people like are afraid of playing the right or wrong notes but there's so much other parts of music th to get right or wrong you know supposedly right or wrong yeah, that it's like yeah. very it's almost minor when you really get into music yeah. You know, the thing, for bait for bait well for bass lines, a lot of times, you know, especially in jazz, we use chromatic notes mm. all the time to get from one chord to the next. 
Yeah. I, I think a good I think a good thing to remember is that at one point in history, almost every note was the wrong note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you, I mean, if you really go back to like the kind of the some of the the earliest recorded Western, not recorded, but uh, thought of or written down music, and you think of things like Gregorian chant, if you think of music that was created at that time. There really, there wasn't what we considered to be harmony. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the idea of Gregorian chant was everyone was singing the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The closest thing you would get to there being some kind of harmony would be you're the singing octaves. down and someone yeah. singing the octaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For many years, it, you know, like, and then it took like a hundred years for them to decide like, oh, a fifth yeah. <laughs> was, was acceptable. Then a third. And then so a lot of those other notes... Mm-hmm. We're not thoughts of all. Um, a, a, a way to think about it is, uh, for those of you who listen to class, listen to any of Beethoven's string quartets. Mm-hmm. To us, to our Western ears and modern Western ears, it sounds beautiful and very consonant. And, and it doesn't sound like the harmony is that out there. Mm-hmm. But what you need to realize in Beethoven's era, the yeah, fact that he was this? using like sixes and sevens and things like that was actually considered very rock and roll to some people's so ears. Would you say that Beethoven was rock and roll? Beethoven, <laughs> I would probably say most of the great composers were very rock and roll in one way or another. Or would, you, would you say that he was like the punk movement or like, oh, I'm going to do things my way. Um, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, between the three big period was in the in the early seventh, sixteen to seventeen hundred, which would be like Baroque into classical period into Romantic period. Mm. Um, I think the 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 guy you would associate with all three of those mm. was a rebel in some way. Mm. Even Bach, who was like, who's kind of like the. <laughs> was, well, he wasn't not so much nearly as someone like Vivaldi. Yeah, <laughs> but but even but but one of the things that marks some of those great composers is that they all harmonically tried to advance the music. Mm. You know, if you listen to Mozart versus Bach, Bach does sound now very kind of more controlled than Mozart's music, which was a lot wilder. But then you can compare even Mozart's music to that of Beethoven's music, and Beethoven's music was like way out there compared to that a lot of people in that in that in the early 1800s when beethoven was writing a lot of his stuff was like you know i mean he he had he was the example of like versus like dubstep where there was a lot of music critics at the time saying like is this really music <laughs> <laughs> well uh, so back to uh back to aaron's question and stuff like with the. Uh... With uke players going like, oh, okay, you know, it's basically the, the same thing. It's a, you know, it's an ukulele bass. So why can't you guys teach ukulele bass? So tell us more about you basses and why ukulele. Yeah, kind of, kind of, um, <laughs> just yeah, just like if anybody out there just bought a U bass and they don't know where to start, like how to how to approach the instrument, like what would be your advice to if- them? Yeah, if they're okay. coming from ukulele and they they go, ah, I want to learn U bass because it's similar, right? What would you uh, respond with? You know. Okay, so the first thing I'd respond with is it's not. <laughs> it's a bass. Oh. Yeah. Four strings. No, sorry, though. sorry. If you bought a U bass because you thought you were gonna play it like a ukulele and it'd be great, you're wrong. <laughs> you can't tell people that, Mike. 
Just being honest here. People have feelings, um, man. <laughs> I think I think the thing to remember with the U bass is that don't think of it as an ukulele bass. Think of it as an ukulele size bass. Okay, the U and U bass is ukulele, <laughs> but it's only from the it's only basically for the size of the instrument. All the notes, all the fingerings, everything like that is actually taken from electric bass, specifically electric bass, because it is a generally a fretted instrument if you're gonna buy u bass because you want to play u bass in your band realize that you are moving from one job to a d- another job you do something similar if you're playing with the ukulele uh, if, if, if you're aldrin in a band your job aside from his crazy ass solos is to basically play a solid rhythm and to change the chords when they need to be changed he doesn't do that job well by the way <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Don't get me started <laughs> um, if you're the bass player if you are going to play u bass your job is the same thing the only the biggest difference is that you are now going to go from playing quarterly to single notes yes there are guys who can play the u bass also all crazy and stuff just like victor wooten on his regular electric bass or somebody like that and as much as i love victor wooten or Marcus Miller or any of those guys, the one thing I would tell anybody who's oh, buying u bass, your job first and foremost is to hit the right note at the right time. <laughs> and the right note at the right time is not the note that you necessarily want to hit. The right note is the one that supports everything else in the band. Okay? Tell them, Mike. <laughs> That's right. Tell them. Your job is to hit, basically, on one, you should be hitting the root of that chord. And you should be doing it right on beat one. Because the bass player is what's going to allow everybody else to stack on top of it. You know, if if you're thinking... If, if the four of us were playing in a group, my job is to hit, and we're playing key C, my job is on beat one, hit that C. The next two guys up is going to be Aaron and Kahai because they're playing guitar because they're the next higher, lower pitch instrument. And they're got to be, and basically me being right on one means that they're going to be able to hit right on one. And if the three of us are doing that, that means Aldrin's going to be able to hit right on one. And that's what's going to hold all this music together. So if you have a really erratic bass player, if you're not hit, if you're not doing that, if you're an ukulele player, you can you can play around with that a little bit because you're you're higher up in the rhythmic scale. Meaning yeah, yeah. that <laughs> meaning that if we're playing, and if I hit C and then Aldrin hits like an accent on the and of one or or on two, if I go boom boom like that, yeah, and I think it's going to sound one. cool. <laughs> But if we did it the other way around mm. and he hit on one and I hit on two, oh, that would sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it would sound terrible. So if you're going to play U bass, realize that your job is kind of changing. And a lot of the rhythmic things you might do as a lead rhythm instrument are no longer going to be appropriate for you to do. Well, what now, if I'm used to being a star, Mike? I need, I need to be, you know? I you gotta let me shine, man. Well, I I saw Victor Wooten and he's just <laughs> up there and he's going crazy. He's doing I, things. He's I want to do that. I want to do yeah, that. Why can't I be? Why can't I Wooten it up? I don't. Ah, so I don't so here, here's my answer. Here's my answer to anybody who says that. Listen to Victor Wooten play, and you will notice that no matter how crazy he gets, 
no matter how nuts his technique does, and his technique actually does get pretty nuts, you know, he's real famous for his uh, version of Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. I've watched him do that live from like 20 feet away, watched him do that live. Oh, oh, Mike, did, did you, uh, I think you dropped, you dropped something, that name. Not <laughs> at all. Gahai <laughs> brought it up stop. first. <laughs> But one thing flex I will it, tell you, but, but, but one thing I'll tell you is that he never misses that one. No. Yeah. He plays on one, no matter how crazy his music is getting. And he's also known for like crazy fast slap bass. But if you listen to him do it, when the core changes, he's right there. When the when that when that beat is supposed to hit, he is right there. And he's right on it. And that rhythm does not the one thing that you notice about him, no matter how nuts he gets, his rhythm does not waver though. Mm -hmm. That's the weakness of a lot of bass players who are trying to do that though. They're trying to do the advanced stuff before they have necessary, before they build it up from the simple stuff. So if you're going to, again, I'm going to always bring this back because that was the question. If you're going to play U bass, remember that that's the most important thing. Yeah, that's your can, job. You do, yeah. can you develop all that other really crazy stuff? Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. It would be the same thing as me telling a, a get, an ukulele player, oh, yeah, you can watch Abe and Aldrin and Jake and all those guys, but what they're doing is simply more advanced versions of the basic stuff. Mm-hmm. If Aldrin couldn't strum a simple, solid rhythm, then all the other stuff wouldn't wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know? could you imagine? Because <laughs> Eric, can you imagine that? Me not, not, keeping not being able to keep yeah. the rhythm. Jeez, that would be a disaster, Eric. <laughs> that would, that would be like someone up all the time. Yeah, that that just, would be like somebody who's like playing train. me and Shirley T and on those breaks that just go. <laughs> yeah. It's like totally not on beat. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even picture it. <laughs> right. I'm, do you have another question? Oh no, uh, 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 we do have a couple more questions, but I was gonna sure. add that like we do get people who are like, "Why can't I just start learning to pick? I just want to start like playing like Jake, or I just want to play start playing like a soloist." And that's like the thing that we kind of have to remind them is that all the people that you like look up to as a soloist, they all started playing by strumming too, and they're really good at strumming. If you ask them, not me, hi. Oh yeah, straight. While my guitar gently weeps when I yeah. first started. Yeah. First yeah. Fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. Fourth grade before gently weeps came out. <laughs> All gently weeps. Uh, ever yeah. since I first started, buddy. I, so- I think. Can can you can you put air quotations around that? Because for sure we're gonna get somebody. Out of that conversation. I. <laughs> for sure somebody's gonna come back and Aldrin said he started Aldrin with said. gently weeps. <laughs> I don't understand how come. Why do you have to guys? You didn't why start do you... with. He didn't start with Gently Weeps. That song wasn't out yet. He started with Toccata. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I started with Gently Weeps. I taught it to Jake, which then Jake made it popular. You know? He made it popular. I'm still waiting for my royalty checks, Jake. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you did Spain, right? And then you taught that to Chick Corea. Who, and yeah. then Jake <laughs> saw Chick Corea do it. And then he did yeah. it, right? Yeah, It didn't yeah. inspire Jake to do it. I mean, yeah, yeah. it just inspired everyone. 
yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aldrin is the zero, zero to a hundred. Yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm just so you know humble about it. That's why. That's why this is the first. <laughs> I figured on episode one hundred, I could finally, you know, like let out my secrets and that's just why he's wearing okay. the Supreme myself for once. Every, <laughs> episode hundred is is the the turning point, right? The heel turn. Yeah. Yeah. He's the- coming <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Uh, so Cam, back when we were talking about nails and stuff, Cam asked, mm-hmm. "What about acrylic nails for flamenco playing?" Um, for flamenco playing, um, it's it's basically the same rules apply. You know, um, you can use uh, acrylic nails, and they you know they work great, but you're still kind of um dancing with uh, dancing with fate because uh you know if you're using it for too long like it can just kind of come off and it has come off you know whereas uh, the gel is the safer choice because it just kind of coats around your uh the, the nail that you already have so the acrylic nails goes on top if that glue you know like gives a little bit and you you know you pick one of the strings and stuff because you're you're constantly striking it you know on your on your uh, on your string so that that glue is constantly being tested okay so there's going to be a time and you don't want that time to be on stage because I know <laughs> uh, no, it, <laughs> that it'll just kind of like fly off so um, think of acrylic nails as as kind of a very very temporary fix um, ra- rather than if you use a gel. Then it's 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 kind of a longer term fix for uh, for what what you want. I think one thing about the acrylic nail, the fake nail, that whole question mm-hmm. to ask yourself is why are you having difficulty growing out your regular nails? You know, because I, I seem to recall um, guy said the, the the guy who asked this question in the first place was saying like he's been unsuccessful with, yeah. with getting his. Nail. The question is why? Do you? I mean, do you have a job where you can't? grow your nails out it's not you have naturally weak nails i think i think that also probably would help figure out a better solution you know yeah. what and, would be the reason and i think aldrin mentioned it too that you might think that you need longer nails than you actually do it doesn't need mm. to be as long as you success yeah. su- suspect like it doesn't need to grow out super long either yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the longer it is, the easier, uh, you know, I, I feel. But then the shorter it is, the better the sound. The shorter it mm-hmm. is, you know, the closer it is to your uh, to, to your actual finger, the uh, the more density, you know, behind the attack on the string, therefore making it, you know, making it more uh, you know, sound better, makes it more of a rounder tone, you know, if you can kind of, um, if you can tame it. It still needs taming, you know, like just because you're getting more, um, more surface area or more uh, density on behind that hit. Uh, if you can control that, it sounds better. And that's what I mean by that. Um, the longer the nail is, because uh, it, it's it's easier because you have kind of a you know a lot of um, a lot of room to kind of play around with. If you're going to be doing picking and stuff, the longer the nail, you know, it, you don't have to kind of get close to it and get really accurate. You can kind of just like fool around and, and you can hit those notes and it's going to come out as easier but because it you know it is a lot more surface area on the on the nail itself it can be a bit thin because you're not getting as much density from your finger itself that's that's why i bite my nails because i want the densest sound oh there you go so (laughs) that's why i don't i have no nails because i just want super dense tell them kai We have one more question from Cam, sure. and then I think we can get to, uh, like, there's a student review that we had to. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, her, or he asked, 
what do you think about Herco humidifiers? That's the kind I use, but I would like a second opinion on good humidifiers. Um, I've I haven't had too much. Uh, which one is that? Which one's a Herco? One? It's like the one that's um the that one that you just put inside? in your guitar. In, in your case, it's just like a little. Oh yeah, no, those are good. The clay, the clay jar. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah, those are good. Yeah. Those are, I like those. Um, they uh they they work great as long as you put your ukulele in, you know, like in in the case, keep it in there. The um the the humidity levels inside the case is what changes, you know. Like so, if you uh, if you use that, you still kind of want to use a hydro hygrometer 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 to like to uh <laughs> to check. The uh, the humidity, but if you want to um, to raise the humidity, use that uh, use that clay thing to uh, to raise the humidity. If the humi- humidity is too much, then you might want to use silicon gel to to lower it down. So the um, the Herco humidifier is just a way to raise the humidity. So if if humidity is a problem, you have to first check if it's too low or too high. Then that's when it would be useful. So. Like a Herco um, humidifier wouldn't be useful in in a place with too much humidity. So you know what I mean. You put that in there, then it's just gonna break your you know break your uke. Um, if it's like if you're here, <laughs> yeah, if you're here, yeah, we in, don't in we don't way. need it exactly. Yeah. So in in that sense, it does work. Like it, it works great. I used it when I went to um to Salt Lake City in, in Utah. It was like you know it's pretty dry, and um I and I, I had to kind of use that and um. There are times where I needed to, you know, I needed something, but I, I didn't have, uh, you know, like the, the Herc or whatever humidifier, and I just kind of used an apple. <laughs> like yeah, I put, I put an apple in a, um, in a Ziploc bag and just like poked holes <laughs> in it and just kept the apple inside my, uh, inside my case, and that worked too. So it's kind of like the same thing. You just need, um, you just, you just need moisture like inside your case if it's too dry, and that's all it does. Uh, a similar trick we use to use uh, with classical string players, orange peels. Oh, yeah, that's another one, too. Yeah, Orange, citrus peels, anything like that, they're really good yeah. at holding on to moisture just enough to, to slowly – because you, you also don't want to, like, overload an instrument yeah, with yeah. moisture. You know, like, did, I, I saw somebody was asking about acoustic bass, uh, acoustic guitar basses, and someone – Oh, gosh, I, I forget why I read this. Quote. It might have been on talk base. Someone had said, hey, I think it might be too dry. Should I just put it in the should I just put it in the bathroom and turn the shower on? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that might work. <laughs> if it's super duper. No, every, no, that's a terrible idea. Don't ever do that. <laughs> no, just put it in there for like five minutes. You know what I mean? Like. Isn't it? Oh it's no! It that that yeah. hot that, that hot steam. Will... <laughs> it's a it's the same treatment as when you have strep throat, right? You want that steam yeah, to yeah. clear you up, it clears up the <laughs> instrument. Kind of like putting essential oils, you know, on the on the corner of your shower to turn your shower on and letting that essential oil enter your you know your temple, right? <laughs> it's like oh no, my my allowing it to balance my chakras. Yes, yeah. There you go. You need that to open the ninth gate. My my instrument has some marks on it. I better put it in an oatmeal bath. I heard that gets rid of eczema. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, people that's, are just like that's... dropping oils into their ukulele. No, like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. So um, yeah. So basically, that's what it is. You know, like that. That's what that Herco um humidifier does. It just kind of raises yeah. the humidity levels inside. So your question of is it you know, um, is it good or whatever? It definitely does what it what it's supposed to do. That's yeah. That's any my, any my humidifier yeah. that's sold to be a 
like an instrument humidifier, it's yeah. going to be totally fine. There's, yeah. there's, yeah, very little difference in, you know. Yeah. And if, if you, you know, if you don't want to get one of those, you can always build your own humidifier. Check out our, uh, our <laughs> <laughs> was that Uke Minutes on yeah. how to mm-hmm. create a humidifier out of the Pez dispenser. Yeah. Uh, Jim asked, any ideas yeah. what percent humidity is too high or too low? Um, I mean, it's going to be different. Like, I've, I've heard people say, like, 60%. Is like you know is is pretty much like the that's like optimum. But what, what would you what would you say, Mike? Since you work in a music store, so you have a lot of instruments you got to keep at like the right humidity. Level. Um, because I've heard my, 60- my, experience, my experience tells me that it's a it's a range. It's mm-hmm. not probably I would say anywhere between forty and sixty, and you're good. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that. That being said, remember every piece of wood is different. It's true. Wood, wood is one of those things that's it's difficult to figure out sometimes because it acts like it's alive even after it's dead. <clears throat> so, so you you want to because some pieces of wood are going to like a higher humidity. Some are actually going to like a lower level of humidity. So this is why what Aldrin advised getting a hygrometer is so important. Because if you really want to know for sure, that's what you have to do. You need to be able to monitor that level. Now, you can either, I mean, hygrometers are easy to find. Ace Hardware, Home Depot, most of those have because people are having to uh, check on the uh, humidity of their home or wood or something like that. You can you can do it there. You can get one there. Most it's music cheap, right? companies. Oh, are those expensive? Hygrometers? Nah. Um, like 10 bucks? 30, 40 bucks for a decent okay. one. 30, 40 bucks. Oh, a decent one. Okay. I was like, what? I thought just, you know. Maybe like 20 something, 20 something for like a cheap digital one. Mike, I'm but only this is... spending $5 on Pez to make a humidifier. <laughs> How much money yeah. do you think I have? <laughs> the DIY hygrometer. <laughs> if you can figure out how to do that, that would be pretty incredible. Um, but I'm, I'm talking about usually those digital versions. Also, keep in mind, too. Um, for those of you who are, you know, if you're looking for, say, a new case, if you spend a little bit of money, you could probably can on your next case, built, you know, add a little bit. Actually, you could probably have one built in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Aldrin, you guys would probably know about this more than me. But I mean, again, coming from the classical string world, uh, a lot of violin, viola, cello and an upright bass, the actual hard cases, mm-hmm. most of them have hygrometers built in. Um, some of the hard, like some of the higher end cases, have them uh, built in. I know um, Ameritage has them built in in theirs. Um, I remember Komol is making those like fiberglass cases that has those inside. Uh, and there are some other cases that have them in, but it's definitely a premium, you know, a uh, premium choice. And then the case kind of has has to have like a seal on it, yeah, or else it's just measuring the outside humidity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's and that's one of the hard things. If you have, you know, your typical, you know, HSS glass compressed foam case, yeah. hygrometer is going to have a harder time figuring that out because it is so porous. Mm-hmm. Probably something you can do if you really want to test where humidity is, or if you want to, if you want to try and adjust it, uh, would be to do something like. Get like a garbage bag. Put the put the hygrometer and the ukulele case in the bag, and then and then tie it up. Yeah, that it's not going to be perfect, but it will seal it up enough from outside humidity mm-hmm. that it should get a pretty decent 
reading. Uh, yeah, pretty decent reading. For those of you, by the way, who are also having humidity issues with your ukuleles, that's also something you can do. Um, right now, I uh, I got myself a, a GS Mini guitar a couple months ago that was a little overhumidified, and so I have I actually have these really nice. Uh, dehumidifier sets it's like an activated charcoal in these uh Nancy, nylon pouches you know it is it's actually pretty nice it works real well but the guitar was so over humidified the way i'm accelerating that is you know all the dehumidifiers are in the bag zipped up the bag put it in a big plastic bag and i have it tied off right now mm-hmm. and that's gonna really like lock that in so it really can pull it out if you have to adjust it and then that's really what you want to do. Just test it out a little bit with your ukulele. And well, the overhumidification you'll know really easily. Once if you if you look at your ukulele and it starts to warp, you know, uh, it's probably overhumidified. Do something about that. Uh, a test you can easily do. A test you can easily do is take something flat and put it on the bottom part of your ukulele, right behind the bridge. The two sides of whatever square thing you put should not come up. So if you see sun, if you see light underneath the two edges, that means that the middle is starting to puff up at the bridge, and you really want to bring that humidity down. Um, the testing for too low humidity is a little bit harder, but um, the one the one that I learned was just take your finger and tap on the wood all around your ukulele. If a ukulele is drying out that pitch is actually going to somewhat raise oh. because as the water leaves the density of the oh, wood, man. the density of the wood is actually going down. That so it's sense. almost as, so that pitch is going to start going higher and higher and higher. Whereas if you have a well-maintained ukulele, that pitch is going to be a little bit lower because of the water content in the wood. Oh. Now, yeah, oh. uh, I realize that test is also very conditional on how well you know that ukulele and how good your pitch recognition is, you know. But if Aldrin tapped on his ukulele right now, it would be a little bit of a lower pitch because his is really well maintained. And if we found one that yes. was really let's say that <laughs> that was a good uh, joke, Mike. That's a good joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> All right, we're, we're past we're past two. So like, oh. say your last few things before we you know before we go. Because we had one more thing, but I think we got to cut it off already. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry well, to you Mike. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but, I mean, really, that's really it. It's just maintain it, watch the humidity, and, and do a little experimenting with the hygrometer to find out where that sweet spot for your particular instrument is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so um, before uh, before we go, I'll just do the, the, uh, the student review real quick. So, Glenn brought us a couple songs. Um, he, sent, you know, he sent some private videos over to us, but just um, you know, just to kind of uh, to touch up on what you know what what he uh, what he did, he played Upihi Man and he played uh, Listen to the Rhythm of the Falling Rain. So with Upihi Man, I could use a little bit less of the uh, of this movement with your with your wrists in, instead of it instead of doing like high. It's more like a high like a Miss America high, you know, with that with this twist of the wrist. Um, another thing is uh, if you're doing the picking, the if you're doing that. Make sure to do it with the with several fingers so that it's a little bit more accurate. You're kind of doing 
he was kind of doing that with the, you know with, with that picking make sure to take your time as well and there were some time uh, some timing issues so make sure to kind of count you know um like the one two three four if it goes to five then it's a little bit too much you know what i mean um especially with rhythm of the falling rain um you would kind of do the uh the uh, you would do that riff after four so make sure that you do that like you know um you do it before so that you can come in on one so it's not like finishing one two three four one two three four and then playing it and then going back and that would be like you know like the fifth beat so make sure you're kind of consistent on that everything else it looks pretty good man keep up the good work i mean you know you're, you look like you're having fun i love the chicken love everything else that you did with that video so good job with that and uh that, that's that's really it man keep it up okay thanks glenn all right um this is it guys this is episode 100 mike are you gonna join <laughs> us again next week or are you, are you busy man if you uh, uh let me think no <laughs> yeah i'll be here if you want me here we have the song challenge due next week, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so we'll give you the uh, guidelines, and maybe you can do a song for the song challenge, bud. No pressure. Just be flat. <laughs> text, text, text me the thing. Yeah, I yeah, have, no I, pressure. If you I write one, no- then you write one. Yeah, I have nothing but time, so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go <laughs> ahead and send guys. me the the parameters we have, and then <laughs> we'll do. I'll see yeah. if I can write something up. Also, um, since I'm coming back next week, uh, since we talked about, it, if anybody does have any questions about bass playing mm-hmm. or, or, music bass, theory. or or music theory, theory or what you bass to buy because there are a lot on the market nowadays mm-hmm. you know yeah. i mean if you asked me this question yeah, five years one. ago it would be a very simple question because there was only one small ukulele bass on the market mm-hmm. now there's like you know all these different people making <laughs> different strings so mm-hmm. any questions so throw them over. We'll do. All right. So we'll check back up with uh, Magic Mike next week. Thank you guys so much for uh, for making Thursday a live lesson as fun and as um, as you know as entertaining to do as as it is. You know, whenever we come here every uh, every Thursday, bringing you guys some uh, some ukulele and not so ukulele content. But we've definitely enjoyed ourselves. Thank you so much for listening to us. Um, here's to 100 more boys. It's 100 more. Absolutely. All right. See you guys next time. Stick around for one-on-one coaching. And uh, tomorrow we'll have our little Friday Live Jam. This is Aldrin Guerrero from ukuleleunderground.com. If you want to learn how to play ukulele, check out ukuleleunderground.com and sign up for UU Plus to take your ukulele playing to the next level. Thank you so much for downloading the podcast. You can watch this. Um, you can watch the video version of this over at ukuleleunderground.com. Or does it come into their RSS feed as well? Do they have to go to the site? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, go to the site. Because the, the site's great. Okay, um, sign up for sign up for the uh, private lessons if you guys can. I know Monday. Uh, I know May has been uh, put out there. There might be a few more spots left, but April is all uh, is all blacked out. So sign up in in May. But thank you guys so much. Aloha. Have a great one. Stay safe. Bye.